Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, my friends, I want to let you all know that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead, after being knocked down, is now available for pre-order. I'll make sure the link is available in the show notes below. All right, my friends, let's do the show. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome, everyone, to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. My guest today is Brianna Mardia. Now, Brianna is a woman defined by motion. She is also an adventurer. She's a writer. She's a pretty down-to-earth individual. She's also a desert dweller. And for the last several years, she and her now, I believe, four pups, Bucket, Dagwood, Birdie, and Banjo, call her big orange van Bertha home. She's also an avid climber, canyoneer, mountain biker, kayaker, and explorer. Brianna believes in moving against the grain, embracing her true self, and trying all things that scare you in life. And she has a brand new book out called Nowhere for Very Long, The Unexpected Road to an Unconventional Life. And in this beautifully written, vividly detailed memoir, Brianna chronicles her adventures traveling across the deserts of the American West in an orange van she named affectionately Bertha. I call it Big Bertha, but you know. Uh, and she reflects on an unconventional approach to life. She decided to buy a beat up orange van, fill it with her at the time two dogs, Bucket and Dagwood and head into the canyons of Utah with her then-husband. And nowhere for very long is her deeply felt, immaculately told story of exploration of the world outside and her spirit and really the spirit she found within. However, pursuing a life of intention isn't always what it seems. In fact, at times, it can be downright boring, as she says, exhausting and even desperate. When Bertha overheated, and trust me, Brianna has faced a lot of issues with Bertha, um, but when it forced her to pull over on a lonely stretch of South Dakota Highway, when the weather was bitterly cold and her water jugs froze beneath her as she slept in the parking lot of her office, when she was worried about money, her marriage, and a looming question mark of her future, what did Brianna do? She was committed to living a life true to herself, come what may, and that made all the difference to her. Nowhere for very long is the true story of a woman, Brianna, learning and unlearning from backroads to breakdowns, from married to solo, and finally from lost to found to lost again. This time, as she says, on purpose. And I really, really enjoyed this conversation with Brianna. She is the first person to ever go down in the history books of the story box with turning up with a snake wrapped around her neck. And I also love the fact that all her dogs joined the conversation too, which was pretty cool as well. I'm all for that. 
But Brianna is, like I was saying before, so down to earth. We really got on quite well. And I highly encourage you guys, if you want to learn more about this lady's incredible story, then go and get a copy of her book. It's called Nowhere for Very Long, The Unexpected uh, Road to an, uh, uh, to an Unconventional Life. The link will be available in the show notes below for you guys to go and get a copy of it. Also, my friends, my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down, is now available for pre-order. It will also be available as an audio book very, very soon too when uh, everything just sort of happens towards the later stage of the year. But you can pre-order the hardcover copy of the book now if you want a hardcover copy. hope that you do nonetheless. I appreciate each and every one of you that has already pre-ordered a copy of the book. Thank you so much. I hope that many more do pre-order a copy of the book and that you get something from reading it. Um, But anyway, my friends, I hope that you support Brianna and her incredible message and her story too. But you guys know what time it is. It is time to journey for nowhere for very long. (laughs) Uh, This is not a very long conversation. I'm just kidding. It might be. You never know. I'm just teasing. Anyway, let's journey into this story box and listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Brianna Mardia. Thank you. Thank you for having me and my serpent friend who (laughs) joins. (laughs) <laughs> this is going to be we're all we're all joining in on the podcast basically. they're all they're all joining for the unboxing yeah. of each other's stories today it's going yeah. to be a lot of fun i think the snake has hidden his head it's gotten a bit shy <laughs> i love it but thank you yeah. so much for for making the time to be here today brianna very yeah. excited to un- unbox your your journey and more of what you've been doing in the world my very first question for you though this is a question that i love asking all my guests at the very start is what does success look like for you? Oh, um, success to me looks like being able to make a living in a place that really speaks to me. So I grew up, um, in a city environment in new England, um, Connecticut, about 45 minutes outside New York city. And I never in a million years imagined that I would be able to sustain a life where I lived out in the middle of the desert. Um, I'm, I'm really fortunate to live in a place that a lot of people come for vacation. And that was the first time I visited that place. And I feel like when you find an environment that just speaks to your soul, it's such a gift to be able to move there and live there full time and still kind of be able to sustain your, your life. And so to me, yeah, I think that nothing beats waking up and looking out your window and being consistently reminded that this is why you do what you do, or this is why everything is worth it. I think that view out your window is everything. Um, at least to me. So success has an awful lot to do with that for me. How does someone create that sort of life for themselves? If that's what they want, but they're worried about the financial impact, how am I going to make money if I'm in the middle of a desert somewhere, if I'm doing the things that I love to do, but there's no real, I guess, hope in terms of making an income, how would you help someone that's worried? So, I mean, gosh, this answer is so different now because when I first um, started living primarily in the desert, I was still working full time for a software company, but I was working remote, which mind you at the time was like very not the norm. There were no Zoom meetings and Microsoft team like that was it was kind of like my boss was going out on a limb in terms of letting me work remote and making sure that my work didn't, you know, falter. And, um, but I think that now it's so amazing that we, that we are able to, I mean, gosh, the tiniest silver lining of a pandemic is kind of proving that we can keep the world moving in a lot of ways remotely. Um, and I think that people should not be afraid to ask. I was always, I don't know if this is a woman thing, but I was so terrified to go into my boss's office and ask. I mean, there was a position up 
for grabs in California. And I chickened out. I didn't, I never asked. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think kind of being able to let others in on your concept of what you're trying to do without feeling like you're cheating the system, right? Like I never, I always felt like if I asked my boss, can I work remote that they would think I was trying to quit or trying to kind of pull the wool over their eyes. Mm. Um, but I think kind of coming, coming to your superiors or whoever it is that you work for with a plan and saying, I've thought this through, I'd like to do these days, whatever. I just think that you have to be bold with it. And I think that we live in a time now where it's like, you got to grab it by the horns because it is right in front of us. And it's pretty unprecedented how available work is wherever we happen to be, as long as you have a Wi-Fi connection, which oftentimes I do not, <laughs> which is became the biggest problem when I was still working for a software company. I was like supposed to be on meetings and suddenly would find that I'm like somewhere that the I don't have enough Wi-Fi service. And so that's kind of when I was like, I should probably lean more into being a writer because Microsoft Word is offline. <laughs> so can you can you share with me why you decided to, I guess, have this kind of lifestyle? I mean, it's non not really conventional for yeah. the average person. Why did you decide to go out and ad- adventure and explore and all these things? I have always, gosh, it sounds so grim, but I've always been like very, very. Um, taken by the fact that I am completely impermanent, that I am very, very small. Um, and I grew up in a place that was very, very, um, oriented to what you do and how much you have and how big your house is. And it just seemed like you were the center of the world. And when I, moved out West when I was 22, I had never been in open, empty space like that. I had never just seen nothing, nothing and no one anywhere around me. And that where, where that might have been unnerving for, for some folks, I was so comforted because it just kind of took this pressure away that I had felt growing up of like all of these prying eyes, like, cause I feel like a lot of the things that we choose to do, especially when we're younger, you know, we're put on like this conveyor belt, of like, you know, go to school, go, uh, grade school, college, you're doing this, you're getting married, you're getting a job, you're buying a house. And I feel like there's so many people who, who do these things because they feel the eyes of everyone else. looking at them and expecting them to go along with these social norms. And if I hadn't really traveled and gotten out of my, thank you, Banjo, gotten out of my, he agrees, um, gotten out of the, the place that I had grown up, not even permanently, but just, you know, traveling itself. Um, I, I don't think I ever would have realized that I was, not that important, (laughs) silly as it sounds. Um, and I think that when you take that pressure off yourself, you are, you're better capable of understanding, like, why, why would I tell myself I couldn't write poetry? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't I write a song? Why wouldn't I go to an open mic night? Who am I? I'm a fleck of dust. Mm. Like, I, I mean, I have the privilege of sitting out in the desert where I live and having petroglyphs and pictographs from indigenous people from thousands and thousands of years ago. And it's like, that is the the mark that they left on the world. Like that was their writing. And it's like, why, you know, it just, it, it provides you this sense of impermanence that I think can be so valuable if you know what to do with it. Um, so, yeah, I think that kind of just, seeing that, experiencing that just changed all of the perspectives that I was taught growing up. And so I think, I mean, travel doesn't have to mean getting on an airplane. Um, but I think just getting yourself out of your little safe bubble will make you realize that 
what your neighbor thinks of you is so, so minimal <laughs> in this, in the grand scheme of the world that we live in. Mm. I think you're right. For a lot of people that do go through, I guess you could call it the motions, they, they go through the education system, they go through the pressure, the anxiety of having to be someone or be, do something and they don't know what their purpose is in life. They're still trying to figure it out. They, they don't know that there's a much bigger world out there for them and it also contributes to the fact that they're afraid to ask questions. They're afraid that of answers, like yeah. what's this answer going to say to me and about me? Those, those all, all kinds of things that I've noticed and I've had to sort of move myself away from them and just say, look, it's okay to question. It's okay to be curious. It's okay to go out into the world, to remove yourself from that comfortable area Sure, mm -hmm. com comfort is great, but uncomfortable is great too. Yes. Because guess how much you learn in the uncomfortable compared to the comfortable? I mean, every every major life-forming decision I've ever made has been so uncomfortable. <laughs> so uncomfortable. <laughs> and yeah, I think, I think, I mean, that's such a great point of just being willing to say, I don't really know what I'm doing right now. I mean, I remember growing up and it was like, you didn't, you didn't say you don't know what you're doing after high school, you're going to college. Or, you know, if your parents go out to a restaurant and they run into so-and-so, they say, oh, she's doing, because you don't want to say, oh, she's kind of just figuring it out. Yep. What's wrong with that? Like, that's a great thing to admit. That basically means that you have the self-awareness to say, I'm not just going to go along with what everybody else wants me to do. I've been able to pause and say, you know what? I need to figure something out for myself. Mm. And it's such, it's so sad to me that we try to skip over that um, uncomfortability or we try to kind of like push it away and not highlight it because that's where you really become who you are. Yeah. Like through those moments of uncomfortability. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a, a place in my life at the moment where I was actually speaking with my, my parents the other day and a couple of friends. And I said to them, I sort of feel like I'm going backwards a little bit, even though I know that I'm not because yeah. all my friends that they've, they've done the conventional thing. They've gone to university, they've graduated or they've gone to get a trade. They're earning quite a bit of money there and they're married some have got kids on the way. It's just like they've they've done all that and here I am. I'm not in a relationship. I don't have a extremely high-paying job. But the thing is, I'm doing this. I'm writing books. I'm doing these things that I know that make me content and, and happy. But yeah. then again, it sort of feels like I've gone backwards at the same time, if you know what I mean. Maybe I'm, I don't know if you've ever been there. Have you ever been there? I mean, I don't, I mean, there is a, gosh, I'm in a, I'm in a group text with some of my closest, closest friends from back home. And they all, I mean, one just had twins and they're all, it's just, we are so, so, so different. And there's a lot of times where I am envious because, because here's the thing. I do believe that there are people who are wholly fulfilled by, you know, that traditional path, that American dream, that get married, have kids. I mean, my, my friends are, they are amazing mothers and it's so fun to watch them do this because they love it. And to be able to celebrate that for them is amazing. The hard thing is that, and I'm very lucky, my friends are not this way, but outside of that group, you don't feel as celebrated, right? Like you feel it's, it's, you don't get the same sort of like, Oh, you quit your corporate job to pursue like podcasting or writing. Like, that's amazing. You get like, Oh, you sure about that? Like, <laughs> you okay? Like, do you need it? I, I read a great self-help book recently. Like it, it's just not really as celebrated because it's different. And there's been so many times where like, I wrote about this in my book, like, 
is so exhausting having to be your own inspiration sometimes because personally, I don't know anyone who lives in a van. I don't know anyone who, you know, like, and of course you can thank goodness in this small regard for social media, you can now find other folks like yourself, but in terms of really growing up and knowing someone in those formative years, seeing someone do this very different path, if you don't have that, it can feel very lonely and isolating. And like you are constantly going to be questioning yourself because you're kind of making it up as you go along because we don't have the blueprint the way we do for other you know, life paths that the people that we love choose to take. And so, yeah, it's lonely and isolating a lot of the time. That's what I've felt like. But the funny thing is I know I'm not alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not lonely. That's that's the other cool part. Yeah. You just got to remind yourself of that. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. And like, that's the nice thing too, is that you know, if you're willing to go out there and put yourself out there and say, no, this is who I am. And this is what I want to do. You end up meeting people who were like, oh, thank God you're here. Like, oh my goodness. There you are. I, I, you know, and that's, and that's just so cool to be able to, you know, cause it's so scary, like to, to feel like, oh, this is what I'm into. I don't know if anybody, and then you put, put your toe out there and everyone's like, Hey, yeah, welcome. Come on in. And it's just the best feeling in the world. And so I feel like that's kind of like, you get the guts to really put yourself out there, then that's ultimately like the best, the most worthwhile. Hi. Hi, sorry. You're fine, come on in. You're joining the conversation too. We've got dogs, we've got snakes, and now we've got a guy. Cool. we got a guy here, this is my fiance. Hi, how are you? This is your husband? This is my fiance. My fiance? Fiance, yeah, he's working on um, my van. He is, uh, we're finally putting a high top in Bertha. She's kind of been very um, bare minimum for a very long time. So I'm giving her the love that she deserves. Yeah. (laughs) So tell me about Bertha and the adventure of, I guess, buying Bertha and then traveling and then all the crazy things that did happen along the way. So I bought Bertha in 2017, like January, 2017. And I bought her about a week after I went to the bank um, to talk about mortgages for a house. Hmm. (laughs) Um, And I was so overwhelmed um, because I, it, it was very suddenly sort of like, why am I doing this? So I sat down across from this banker who's telling me all of these words and phrases that I don't understand API and, you know, all, you know, the mortgage rates and I'm going to be paying this for the next 700 years of my life or whatever, whatever it was. And I'm totally like cotton in the ears. Like I have left the room emotionally and I out in the parking lot, I was like, why why was I doing that? Like what, you know, like I was perfectly content in my little apartment, but it just felt like, well, I have a good job and I guess I should do this next thing. But it was the first time where I was like, I don't even understand what I'm getting into. So I, 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 it was very jarring. And then, um, there was a listing for this big orange, uh, four wheel drive, 1990 van, which I am also 1990. So van is the same age as me. And it was like 200 something thousand miles on it. And for some reason, every house I had looked at every floor plan I had looked at, I was like, well, I don't don't really, I don't care about this at all. I saw that van and I went that that's that's me, this outlandish, absurd, totally nonsensical choice. That's, that's me. That's, that's for me. Um, and yeah, I just, it felt like it was such an uncertain and sudden kind of decision. And that felt more realistic for where I was in my life because 
you know, when I went into the bank, I sort of felt like I was wearing a costume or like I was a kid in my mom's like high heeled shoes, just sort of like going through the motions and pretending I knew what I was talking about. But when it came to this big van, I felt like I could be where I was like sort of just I'm in my twenties and I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but this thing looks really cool. And I live in the desert and these big tires will get me out to the places that I love. And it was just sort of like this meeting my meeting myself where I was really at. Um, and then over the course of the next year, I ended up moving into it, into the van with my ex and my two dogs and, um, just really falling head over heels in love with the desert for those reasons that I talked before is just like, I'd never been alone before. I'd never been out in the middle of a place where I felt like I could really breathe and, you know, walk around naked and it didn't matter. There was no one anywhere. It didn't matter. Um, and yeah, so then I kind of started doing the instant. Instagram thing. I was doing that alongside of my job. I was working as an account manager for a software company and I went to them and kind of asked if I could do remote stuff. And then from there, I just sort of was like, you know what, I'm going to go all in. Like I'm, I'm just going to cannonball into this thing. So ended up quitting my job, started writing my book. Um, and really, yeah, just leaned into being a bit of a dirt bag and Bertha, God love her. She's a very unique and gorgeous old man, um, but she's not reliable at all. So I spent a long time on the side of the road. I mean, many, many days, weeks, months, arguably. And I just couldn't give up on her because she was like this representation for me of the risk I had taken. And so, yeah, that's kind of my little love story with Bertha. <laughs> How many times has Bertha broken down? Oh my God. Um, like 50, <laughs> <laughs> like the collection of photos that I have. I mean, one time her tire just kept falling off, like just literally couldn't keep the tires on the van it was so bad. Her front axle, I mean, the, the fuel pump has gone out, I don't know, 90 times. It's like playing whack-a-mole a little bit with the problems, but she just, I don't know. She's just my favorite thing in the world. She's like, a, she's like one of my dogs almost like I very much humanized her. So, but yeah, there was a time I got, I got stuck. It's actually the prologue of my book. I was stuck 48 miles down a dirt road. And as soon as a tow truck touches dirt, they'll charge, they can charge you anything. So, um, I sat out there for 26 hours and waited for a tow truck and Bertha is big enough that she needs a flatbed tow truck. <laughs> so finally he shows up and the tow cost me over a thousand dollars. What? To get towed. And I had so many people being like, you're out of your mind. Just get rid of the thing. Just give up on her. And I was like, I can't, I can't. So after that, I went and just set her down and she sat on my property for like nine months. And I was like, I don't care. I'll turn her into a guest house. I will not get rid of her. She just, she saved my life in a way. Like she was my getaway car. So she's very special to me. <laughs> She sounds like she has a lot of character to her. Very her. much so. Yeah, very quirky. <laughs> I mean, to just all of a sudden an axle falls off, just like things just start coming yep. off the car. <laughs> you never know what's going to, you got to be on your toes all the time with Bertha. You never get comfortable. <laughs> Expect the unexpected. I like She's it. a metaphor for life in a way. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Big Bertha is a metaphor for life. Yeah. <laughs> How cool is that? Like, yeah. So, okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving this. This is cool. So, what were your. <laughs> What are you doing now? Are you, are you still working as that software part nope. of things? You're still traveling a lot or? So I or? am traveling a lot. Um, I, Bertha? Bertha, has, Bertha has been out of commission for a minute because I finally felt like, you know what? I've been playing whack-a-mole. I need to just dedicate the time and the money 
to get her, like give her the love that she deserves. So she's getting repainted. She's getting the rust, you know, she's getting a big high top put in her. So she's big. Bertha is becoming bigger. If, if that's even. Getting a a makeover. Like that. <laughs> um, she might fit under an overpass who knows now, um, but she is going to be, she's going to be very large. But I did buy um, nine acres of um, desert in Utah, and I hope to build a house there at some point. But it's funny, I almost did the same exact thing. I got in the process of like talking to an architect and making plans to build a house. And then I kind of panicked a little bit and was like, what if we just uh, fix up Bertha and I just get in Bertha and drive away again? So she's kind of like my fallback, I think a little bit. Um, but yeah, for now I'm just kind of traveling. And as soon as she's done, which should be in about a month, um, she will be my main transport vehicle. She'll be my book tour vehicle. Um, like it. Yeah. She's, I just feel like my most, at home feeling is driving Bertha on some dirt roads. So I'm very excited to be able to do that again. Do you have any regrets? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I have a bunch of regrets, but I mean, ultimately I've never really been afraid of regrets. I've gone into most situations in my life being like, Hey, you're probably going to regret something about this. (laughs) This is probably not going to go as smooth as you think it's going to, but Ultimately, the regrets, that's what I've learned from. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I have regrets, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it differently. Like, I can't imagine not being who and where I am right now. Um, And I think that that's definitely has a lot to do with kind of just leaning into the fact that I'm going to have some regrets or leaning into the, I mean, I think that's kind of the thing. It's like, People are like, oh, I don't want to do this because what if? I'm like, yeah, what if? What if it's horrible? What if it's awesome? (laughs) Like, you don't know. And like, I don't know. I've never met any cool, old, wrinkly person who didn't have regrets. That's what I tell myself, at least. Mm. (laughs) You know, like you, there's nobody who slides into the finish line without a regret or two. So in in my mind, it means if you have regrets, it means you've been trying some things. And I think that's far more important than being comfortable. I think I was speaking to someone last Saturday, I believe it was, and we're talking about regrets and how some people have those extremely negative regrets that they hold deep inside themselves and they just allow them to eat away at them. And then those are the people, this is what he was getting at. He's saying regrets aren't a bad thing. We should have regrets. We should use them to learn as much as we possibly can but not allow them to keep us stuck and bogged down. We should yep. use them as like fuel in our fire to keep us pushing forward right? and learn what we need to learn as a result. Yeah. of it. It's so, almost like having notes going into a test. You know, it's almost like being like, Oh, I studied for this. Yep. Like, you know, I found, I found myself getting into situations where like, I remember this shit. I remember <laughs> doing this before. I know how I'm going to do this. This feels familiar. Yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, I think it's, it's true. It's like, it should be fuel to, to remind you that like, well, you got through this, you, you're, you survived it. You're hopefully better for it. Now go out and prove why you're better for it. Yeah. This, this question sort of might tie into the regrets one, but what has been your most vulnerable moment? Has there been a sort of one that ties into one of your regrets? Yeah. Um, so I, I write about this in my book, but, um, we used to, my ex and I used to do this thing all the time. It's called redneck running your dog. Um, so we would let two of my older ones, a bucket and dagger, the 10 and 11 year old, when we'd get to these dirt roads, they could run so much faster than, the car could roll. So we'd let them out and they'd run off and and down the road in front of us. And it was their favorite thing. And then one day Dagwood went under the tire accidentally. And, um, I was so ashamed, um, that it had been us that did it, that I didn't, um, 
I didn't talk about it at first. I talked about his accident and there was a whole kind of like, it was weird because I, I put it out there on social media because it was almost like my muscle memory. Like I knew that all these people loved my dog and they followed this story. And it was like, what am I supposed to do? Just suddenly like Mm. not mention that my dog. (laughs) So I, I felt like I was in a tricky position and I, and I cared too much about what it would look like online versus what was really happening in real life. And it was just this really sticky situation. And yeah, I have a lot of regrets. And in, let's see, what was it? Two years after the fact, because this was in 2018, in 2020, I came out with it. I wrote a whole post on my Instagram and it's something that haunts me. There's people that are still very upset about it. And, but it, it was just, I think the most profound lesson from that was that when I dove into that vulnerability, that like really the most, here is the deepest, darkest secret I've ever held in my life and put it out there. What I learned is that 99.8% of the people who supported me in the moment when they didn't know what had really happened still supported me. And like, I had spent years believing that like I was going to be tarred and feathered. I was going to be, you know, and, and, and and it was just so humbling to know, like you were just kind of hurting yourself by holding that in for so long. And so it's kind of like the give and take of social media, right? <laughs> like, but yeah, I think that that's why I've always just leaned so strongly towards like vulnerability and telling the truth. And I'm so, you know, my book comes out and I'm so excited about it. But then sometimes I shoot up in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh, I forgot what's in it. I forgot what the book is actually about. And it's very much like vulnerable stuff, but to me, there's, there's a level of safety in that, I think, because it's like, this is my story. Take it or leave it. I'm not asking you for anything. I'm just telling it because it feels like the right thing to do. If one person somewhere feels less alone, that was always kind of the goal. Um, so yeah, I think the vulnerability is really, really scary, but ultimately even the worst sharing the worst thing I've ever done in my life was a good experience in the end. Yeah, I kind of do a similar thing with my book. Even though I, I wrote the damn thing, it's like <laughs> I have these nervous sweats. <laughs> it's so annoying. Yeah. It's yeah. like I, I, I went vulnerable because I want to help as many people as I possibly can. And then it, part of me is like, oh, should I have done that? Yes. I? Like, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> Yeah, what have I'm I like, done? I'm committed to it now. Like, I'm like, why? Since when did I decide I'm a martyr? Like, why am I doing this to myself? No, yeah. it's great. It's so great. And like, I mean, just from the, the the things I've shared on social media in the past, is just the amount of people who reach out and say, like, oh, thank you for making me feel a little less weird. And it's like that's the real impact we have on each other as human beings. Is these tiny little you know, like we don't all have life coaches. We just have the people around us that we kind of choose to surround ourselves with. And if you can just be like the tiniest little positive or authentic influence in someone's life to change, you know, it's like, that's really all that life is, is this like collection of all these little tiny moments and experiences and conversations. And, you know, I've tried not to put myself up on this like big pedestal because I think social media and that can really inflate this concept but ultimately what i wrote about in the book is what i would tell someone if i ended up having a long conversation with them at a bar mm-hmm. or on an airplane or something so you know th- I, I try to remind myself that like as long as it's true and genuine and like the reasons behind it are still the same as when you started writing it then you should be proud terrified but proud <laughs> so i exactly. say the same thing to you <laughs> Thank you. I need, I, need proud. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I needed I needed that. But yeah. why 
Firstly, how long did it take you to write this book? And secondly, why did you decide to write a book? Because it's not an easy thing to write a book in the first place. No. Um, It took me about four and a half years. And I decided to write it because I just felt... I mean, honestly, I started doing most of my writing... um, in terms of like people consuming my writing on social media. And I started to, you know, I, at first that was very satisfying and I would, you know, write something and people would say, yeah, I agree with this. And I was like, neato. <laughs> and then after a while, I was like, I don't feel that I'm getting the full story across. I don't think it's as easy to get the full thought across. And I would find myself, it sounds really ridiculous, but I would find myself writing something and then having the Instagram things say, this is too long. And so I kind of went, well, I guess I'll just write a book. I guess I'll just write a book then I'll write something where I can actually fit all of these thoughts. And for the first year and a half, the document on my computer just said a book, Mm. no words, because I had psyched myself out so much. It was like, Oh, a book, this great, where do you start? How do you start? And, um, it took me a long time to just commit to the fact that like, I was going to hate the first several thousand, if not 10, 20,000 words that I wrote, but it was, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild to like finally fall into your rhythm. And I'm sure, you know, it's like one day you wake up and you're like, holy shit, this is a book. (laughs) I wrote a book (laughs) or who wrote this book? I don't remember writing this. So yeah, it's it's so amazing. And I'm already starting the second one, which is it's oh. it's really humbling to be back at the beginning when like I'm writing a proposal three weeks before my first book comes out. Like I'm writing my second book proposal and I'm like, wow, this is I remember being back here. And I mean it's humbling, I think, but I I, I like to be humbled. I think it's important to kind of remember like, you know. If you, if you think, if you think your book's already the best, then, you know, you might skate over some important things, you know, you gotta come into it. You gotta come into it with that like nervous energy. Cause I feel like that really makes it more honest when you actually end up writing it. Usually I've discovered that the moment I get just an inch prouder and I'm boosting myself up immediately, I'm quickly humbled. Like (laughs) it's just, Yeah. It's not, so I've just learned to be as humble as I possibly can. Yeah, like exactly. Not boost myself up and not be woe as me, but be in the yeah. middle somewhere. Right. Like, look, yeah. this is what I've done. I'm speaking facts here. So God, universe, like yeah. I'm not, I'm not being proud. I'm just yeah. being average and talking facts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what I did. Hey. I'm not saying it's amazing, but I'm not saying it's horrible. Yep. I'll, I'll yeah. just be, I'll be there. I'll be in yeah. the middle. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All, all yeah. those things. What do you know what the second one's going to be about? Yeah. So it's going to be more of a focus on the dogs. So now I, I have it. so many of them. <laughs> But yeah, it's interesting. Like when you have four dogs, I I feel like each of them sort of represent this like part of my personality almost. And so there's just been so many instances where, you know, I go out on my own all the time and do these things with my dogs. I drove to Mexico with all four of them by myself for six weeks. And um, I've just been able to really like be out in these remote situations with them and see them in their kind of primal form and just really kind of get to appreciate these like very specific aspects of their personality. And I feel like there's a lot to be learned from that except for Birdie. Cause she's a total nutcase, but there's probably a lot to be learned from that. <laughs> Birdie is a physical manifestation of my anxiety. <laughs> so <laughs> all of the dogs have their specific role in my life, but Yeah. I'm excited to kind of, I feel like, you know, everybody loves dogs. Dogs is such a, dogs are such a safe, wonderful, lighthearted topic. And my first book was really digging into a lot of, um, you know, the reasons that I am who I am and where I came from and some of the more difficult things in my past. So I'm excited to kind of jump into just lighthearted, fun dog stories because we all love those. You've actually like, my seventh book, yes, yeah, seven 
that I've either written or am writing yeah. is also similar. It's also a dog book because I've had three German Shepherds in my lifetime and all of them have taught me this one important principle of life and that is joy and the unending beautiful nature that is being joyful mm-hmm. and where joy comes from in its purest form. Yeah. And even when you don't think that it's there, it's really there. It's amazing. Yeah. Like with our other dog that passed away uh, in 18th of January, 2019, her name was Joy. Aww. And then she taught me, I guess, so much about joy and, and life and all that sort of stuff. We, we actually have on, I don't know if you can see it, the dog tag. Yeah. yeah. Thing. It's got her face on it. And on, on the back, it's got never enough joy. And um, it's just like a beautiful phrase that I love. My mum came up with it. I can't take credit for it, but it's perfect. Uh, And it's interesting when we got our our other dog, Alita, she reminded me so much of Joy that we named her Alita Joy. Oh, it was, um, it just worked. It was perfect. Yeah. So I know, yeah. I know the feeling with dogs. They're amazing, yeah. especially German shepherds. I'm biased. Yeah. I, I get to say yeah. that. That's fair. That's fair. No, it's yeah. I mean, that's the thing about my dogs too, is like where I've ended up spending most of my time out in the desert. You know, I can't necessarily take them to a lot of national parks. So there's places that have a lot of dog restrictions. And so I've, the places that I find to be the most beautiful I find them beautiful because I, my dogs are running around there. And that to me is like the most beautiful sight. So I could be in like a, in like a junkyard and just seeing them kind of having fun. And that was one of the most um, important things that they kind of taught me in terms of like exploring and getting outside or travel is that you know, even just like a pit stop on the side of the road is like the best thing ever. Like they think it's just the best. And so it's like, that's such an important energy to try and like harness. It's just like, is the window down? Awesome. Best day ever. Is the sun out? Great. We're having a great time. Like it's just, you know, it's just so simple and joyful and just like the tiniest little things. And I just feel like they are the best of what humans should be, <laughs> could be, can be. So I feel that everyone should be assigned a dog at birth. I totally agree with that. Honestly, it, it's the way it should be. And if that was the case, then no one would be afraid of dogs. Honestly. Yes, exactly. If you, exactly. if you brought up with them, you're fine with them. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it's just sad when I see people that get scared when they see Alita and I'm walking, know. Down, walking down the street. I'm like, she's, She's harmless, honestly. Yeah. She's, yeah. Yeah. She's just showing her, her affection and yeah. yeah. It's just sad. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I, <laughs> I digress. Um, yeah. Brianna, I do want to be mindful of your time. Yeah. Two quick final questions for you, if that's okay. Sure. The new book is called Nowhere for Very Long The Unexpected Road to an Unconventional Life. I love the title. It comes out very, yeah. very soon. I'll make sure everyone knows where to get a copy of it. Links will be in the show notes below. Where do you want people to connect with you the most and and buy the book as well? So you can find me on Instagram. Um, It's Brianna Media and you will just see a bunch of orange and dogs and desert and you'll know you're in the right spot. You can also go to my website, which is www.briannamedia.com. There's links to buy the book there. Um, There's a little bit more information about getting signed copies and yeah, otherwise it's available wherever books are sold and audiobooks. I recorded the audiobook and that was not easy. Let me tell you. If you want to hear me crying, you can order the audiobook. <laughs> That's why people order, order, order audiobooks, yeah. right? <laughs> to yeah, hear the exactly. author cry. Right. <laughs> but yeah. that's amazing. I'll make sure people know that. Um, if they were listening, show notes, easy, simple. Yeah. Um, I got to get myself one of those signed copies, actually. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll get awesome. it to you. But um, this is one of my favorite questions. Uh, what do you love the most about yourself and your story? 
I love the most, the thing I love the most about myself is my ability to see the humor in very dark things, because I think that that to me is just survival. If we, we must laugh lest we die is something that I kind of say frequently. Um, and I think that, um, that really plays a lot into my story as well as just being able to kind of find the humor and the meaning behind some really dark things and some mistakes that I've made. Um, and also I find that humor helps me to be less hard on myself because I think that we're all very quick to judge ourselves and, you know, anything that anyone has ever said about me, I can guarantee I've said something 10 times worse to myself. Mm -hmm. And when you can kind of find the humor and share that humor with other people, I feel like it kind of gives them the permission to not be so hard on themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of something that I, I pride myself on. I love that. Okay. This is my all time favorite question. Uh, <laughs> at the end of all my conversations, it's a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. I can imagine it'd be absolutely crazy and awesome at the same time. Just imagine they've been able to get it all and put it together and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Oh, um, that I tried a lot of things, that I laughed a lot. I think, yeah, that I laughed a lot, that I pet as many dogs as humanly possible. <laughs> um, yeah, just, I, I mean, I picture just a montage of laughter and sunshine and warmth and animals and people that I love. And yeah, I think just trying to keep things very light and um, ultimately like those are the things that I remember about people that I love is those times that we've just laughed together and you know, those like sun bleached memories you kind of see in your mind. And yeah, that's a great question. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I think it's cool too. And, and the way you answered it as well was perfect. It's a great send off message for people to imagine for themselves. But Brianna, thank you so much for your time. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. It's a lot of fun. And um, thank you for joining me on this Storybox podcast. Yeah, so good to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.